the Dragonlance Nexus is proud to present the Dragonlance Canticle. And um, so we did that. And the first one I painted uh, um, uh, when my years was up, the first one was, uh, oh, uh, what was that you just said? The game? I got a poster in a while. Let me see. Shatterin? Yeah, Shatterin. They called me up and I told them, I said, I can't paint for you right now, but get, in three weeks from now, I can. <laughs> <My year was, laughs> and so they called me back in three weeks and said, okay, we got a new game and it's called Shatterin. And I asked him what it's about. And I like the idea. And uh, I, he said, uh, well, we, we want to get it out before Gen Con. And we're like, three weeks away from Gen Con. And all the time they got me the information, I was down to like two weeks. And this is going to be their main game product, you know. And and uh, so I painted that thing in about seven days, as hard as I could go. Those are long days. And all my work went into the front part, you know, the, the front three characters on the wall and everything. Then I got down to the people in the car, getting out of the car and shooting at them. That got pretty fast. The city back there, I called him up and said, y'all got a logo or a big title in this game? He said, you got a huge logo. It's really neat. I said, well, take up a lot of the sky. And he said, yeah. I said, good. So I just slapped some buildings in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I noticed those aren't as detailed. You know that? Well, I was out of time. That was done like about the night before I, I had to turn it. Well, I had about a half day for it to dry. Back then, we'd go stick the painting in the back of your car, you know, in the summertime where the all the old cars had the back window come down. There's that little shelf back there by the back window. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the car, you park it toward where the sun's coming in, you stick your painting back there. It'd get 120 in a car, you know, pretty easy or high. Jeez. <laughs> and so you could drive painting in about three hours. And uh, I used to, in the wintertime, I'd put them in front of the oven. I'd, I'd turn it up, up to like 175 or 180, prop the painting up, put the door down, prop the painting up, and dry it. And Jeff, <laughs> Jeff had one he had to do really bad. It, it was for a modeling company, uh, I'm on, uh, uh, Aurora Models, I think, out of Chicago. And uh, I, we got both got some work from them. And uh, he was finishing one up, and he said, I suppose I got to ship it tomorrow. I'm a, and, and, well, no, why not? He called me up. And he said, uh, well, make a long story short. He was going to do the thing I did about putting it, popping it up in front of the oven. I didn't put it in the oven. I put it, I propped it up. I put the door down, propped it up so the heat would come out and flow up against the face. Well, he didn't know. He stuck his painting in the oven, turned up about 350. (laughs) And I I smelled something running there. His painting was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) So he took it out, put it out. He had to repaint all that that night because he had to get to Chicago the next day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we've had some horror stories, some bad things has happened in the past. When somebody's trying to get that. <laughs> it's like, why does your painting smell like pizza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had something to blister and I'd repaint. Oh, that is amazing but i love painting in oils why do you paint acrylics no oils once you learn to paint oils oils can do anything you want they'll do it for you acrylics is like i always call acrylics is like 
they're a bitch. They're mean and hateful and spike, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure people who's painted the acrylics for 15 years uh, say, no, they're lovely. But I tried them off and on. I know when I was in college, acrylics were invented. And the teacher came and said, there's a new kind of paint now. And oils is passe. No more oils in the world. It's all going to acrylic. It's water-based paint. It's lovely colors. So I took all my oil paints, took them home, put them in the closet, mom and dad's house. Bought all new acrylics like they broke me up. I just bought the basic colors you need. I started painting acrylics like, what the hell? You couldn't blend anything. You, you try to paint a person, you couldn't even blend one side of their face. Or, you know, it, it just it was fighting me and fighting me. I painted with acrylics for about a year. And I was getting better at it, but it's still, it's still, I kept thinking, why am I doing this when the oils would do this naturally? And one of my instructors mm -hmm. came up, this is like three years later. He comes up, and uh, I, I was probably a senior or junior or senior, and he said, uh, why are you painting in acrylics when the oils would be natural for the way you paint? I'm like, he was a new teacher. I'm like, well, you guys are the ones that told me to throw away my acrylics and get oil, uh, throw away my oils and get acrylics. He said, I didn't tell you that. I said, well, no, but the other teachers before you did. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, you're a natural oil painter. He said, you should be painting an oil. So I said, well, thank God. So I went and bought out new oil. I went home and got my oils and, and uh, started painting with oils. And of course, I could paint a lot better in oils then. I'd, I'd jumped a little because I'd been forcing acrylics to do something that oils do naturally. And so it really sort of helped me out. Because <laughs> anyway, like, oh, teachers. Sometimes teachers say the darndest things, you know, like, oh, we'll be using the metric system. Yeah, that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You'll never have a calculator with you all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many things is proven. Well, there, uh, there's very many. I think the reason I like oil, it's a constant in my life. Everything around me has changed. Mm-hmm. But the oils, they, even my wife's changed. But oils hasn't changed. It's just always there for you. And it does the same thing. And and you can, it, it's, since it's consistent, you can keep learning and learning and learning and learning, you know, with it. That's amazing. So it's, it's, it's English. So it's safe to say you're not going to digital? No, no. <laughs> I don't do anything digital. Yeah, you know, I see some of those digital ones and you know, they can do some amazing stuff. And Grant, I'm the guy who draws a stick figure. But, uh, uh, you know, there's just something kind of lacking at times. It, it, a lot of a lot of digital painting, this is the way I look at it, don't have a soul. It's, a good oil painting has got a warmth. It's got a life to it. It's got a mm -hmm. soul. A lot of the stuff we see is so, I mean, it's beautiful stuff. But it's soulless. Um, that's how I see it. But I look at when people say something about oh, we paint the oil, I say, yeah, I say, I'm, a, I'm competing against dead people um, <laughs> because everybody's using a, you know, digital. I've I've been to most of the big museums in, in, uh, in America and in Europe, and I've seen great, great paintings that that look like they have life to them. Literally, they look alive. And it's done with the oils. And I look at it like, well, maybe if I paint till I'm 100 years old, if I live that long, I might get something close to that. 
you can just keep learning and getting better and better. And little oils, there's a warmth to it, a life to it. And, uh, and also, I like this fact. That when you paint the oils, there's only one. There's one original, and that's it. And now, and I knew back in the uh, like 2012, my 2008. I told my wife, I said, "We're going to be going through some hard times," and she said, "Why?" I said, "Everything's going digital. All your publishers and everybody, they want digital work." And I said, because I can understand why. It's clean. They send you a file. That's it. The color separation is no problem. When you send the original painting in, they got to store the painting. They got to take it out and get the color steps made. They got to take care of it and they got to ship it back to you. So it was a pain in the butt and it cost them money. When it's digital, hey, we're doing the publisher. We're going all digital. Well, I could see the whole trim was going digital. And I said, I'm not going to do it. I didn't spend my whole life learning this much in oils and then turn to go digital. I said, I'm not going to do it because an oils, it's like a pencil drawing. There's only one pencil drawing, what you drew or ink drawing. If you drew it right there, that original, that's it. Only one in the world. You tear that up, it's gone. You can have copies of it. You can have a million copies of it. But there was an original. It's like there's only one you. You can have a twin brother, identical, but he's not you. There's only one you. And when you create a painting or a work of art of any kind with your hands, and it is a physical thing, a physical object, like my painting's got beard hairs in it, some probably skin flecks and everything else. <laughs> it's got my DNA in that painting. And, and that's it. It's a real object. And there's only one. And no matter how you make the prints, the original always has more life. Somehow about oils, the colors and everything, the original is better than a print. Not all the time. I've done some pretty bad paintings. I had to clean them up best I can and to get them in Photoshop and adjust them some and make them look better than what they were and sell print, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I try to paint. Why do I have to do that much adjusting? Uh, not anymore. But um, uh, we have to, you have to, when you're selling prints now, you got to adjust for your printer so you can get the closest to the originals you can get. But but the original is only one. And I told my wife back then, she said, well, why aren't you going to do this? I said, I don't want to. If I have to paint digitally, I'll quit. I'll go do something else. And uh, and so I said, uh, she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I guess we'll have a rough period of time. But I have a feeling over all these years, a lot of these kids that play D&D are growing up. Like we're smart kids. They're growing up to be doctors, everything in the world, nuclear physicists, you name it. And they like it. And I said, these people will have the money to buy original art. And I was, you know, I was hoping I was right, looking at the future, because I've seen fantasy art from nothing to, you know, look at it now. And so I kept painting originals, and I I went to a lot of conventions for about three, four years to survive. Took on any any contract job I could get, private contracts, and uh, then something happened. I, I started getting more money from my originals and. Thing. And then some publisher called me back up and I said, I work in oil, so I'm not going to do That's okay. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, we had a rough 10 years and, um, but it paid off eventually. Thank you. And, uh, that's awesome. So, so uh, but I would not do it. I said, I'm not going to go digital. 
because I want there to be an original painting, the real thing, you know. It's and they look better. I promise you, when you go and look at it, unless they really doctored up in Photoshop or something, but you know, a copy. But you the know, has a life. Back in two thousand two, uh, when we were first getting the um, Dragonlance Nexus fan site going. Um, I had the honor of visiting uh, Margaret Weiss at her home. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's this old uh, converted barn. It's the most amazing thing. Yeah, and beautiful. Inside, I see a painting hanging on the wall. And it's from the Twins series. Yep. It's the one of Raceland. And he's holding Crisania, you know. And I looked at that. I'm like, this is the original and it, I've seen that yeah. picture so many times, yeah. but that original just looks so much it's more like, vibrant. Yes. It's got a soul. It's got a life to it. You know, the, the sky, I believe had a little bit of gold to it and um, it just really stuck out and I, I can still picture it in my head and um, you know, that's, I, w that's I wish I could go back and see it. That's another bad move I made. Uh, I'm just teasing Margaret. Uh, <laughs> I love her to death. But uh, I, I respect her. I mean, Dragonlance, I mean, they put me on the map too. D&D, &D, Basic, and Sep and Dragonlance. So I, I, I loved working on Dragonlance. I mean, Tracy came over and told us a story before Margaret was even hired. The basic story in my basement. And... Uh, and I said, yeah, I'll do what I can to help on Dragonlance. But anyway, Margaret wanted a painting. And she said, Tracy had bought the painting of all of them sitting around the campfire, you know, the, mm -hmm. that painting. And I sold it to him for uh, something like five or $600, if it's that much, I don't know. And then I sort of regretted it after I did. And so Margaret asked me, she said, I'd like to buy one of your paintings. I mean, none of us was rich then. We were, we were still you know, making a living, you know. Right. And, uh, uh, well, I don't say we're rich now, but back then we couldn't afford to buy Well, paintings. the internet says you're worth $9 million. I know. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was. <laughs> but um, I don't know if I wish I was or not. I'm happy. But uh, <laughs> Margaret comes in and says, I want to buy a painting for you. And I said, oh, God. So I went to Tracy. I got to say, well, Margaret, but I, I love Margaret. I said, okay. And she picked that one. I'm like, oh, man, that's a good one. <laughs> 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 okay. So I priced it, I think, around $800. Uh, somewhere out in that neighborhood. And she said, okay. Like, that was a strain, but she'd do it. And uh, and. This is before the books started getting popular and everything. It's early on. And uh, she hung on to it. And I'm glad she got it. Now I look back. It, for a while, I regret it. Oh, man, I can stop paying. Well, now I can sell for a fortune, you know. But, uh, uh, and she could too. But I don't regret it. There was times I did, and especially when I was needing money. And I thought, well, if I had that painting back, I could pay some bills, you know. <laughs> Because freelance can be up and down, yeah. As I say, you're just lucky you didn't try to sell any of the Jack Fred ones. I know. I don't, <laughs> want those. I don't have any with me. I don't know where they went. <laughs> uh, okay. I I have to ask a question, and we, we may have to edit this part out. Okay. But 
there is a rumor that you did a uh, drawing back in the day called Tika Takes a Bath. Yeah, I did. Cartoon. Give it to, I forgot who gave it to Tracy, I think. Give it to Tracy. He got a big kick out of it, but he's a good Mormon, and I don't know if he kept it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've heard rumors uh, about this for years. Never seen I've got it. a copy of it. I got a copy of it someplace. Uh, in my big art book, I think I put it in that. Or maybe it's my black and white. I, I got two big art books out. Well, I'd say I, the color one is going to, we got to quit selling at the end of the month because uh, they're gone. And uh, But I've been selling for the past few years. Big, thick, all color. Yeah, I love that. I, either in that one, and I did do a second one of all black and whites, and it could be mm-hmm. nice. one of those books because I thought, you know, I'm going to put this in. Tika takes a bath. That's oh now i'm going to double check that it's in it's in if you got either one of those books i got both got both of them it's in one of those books i know it that's is. great that's great okay well we're uh getting a little long time i wanted to ask you about one painting recently wow. we saw um and i don't know if we can talk about this or not but um you've recently done a Dragonlance uh image the four Four Women of Dragonlance. Tell us um, about that project. It's a private commission. And uh, legally, you can paint, you know, anything for a private commission. You know, I mean, I can do a painting of a Superman for you and sell it. But I'm not allowed to sell to another company. Now, with, with those things, sometimes it depends on the companies. You weren't allowed to sell any kind of representation of it. The artist couldn't. Back in the day, it was really bad laws. In other words, a poor artist starved death, and they make a fortune selling something with your cover, but you couldn't even, you couldn't even get, you couldn't sell it. You couldn't make pictures of it and sell it, you know. And with TSR and Wizards both, they allow, the, the people that does the magic cards and stuff, mm-hmm. they allow, the, at first they didn't, but then they loosened up, they got, they made so much money, then they, uh, they let the artists make prints. And TSR was like, yeah, you know, we, we publish it and uh, you own art and you can make prints, but it better not show up on some other product, you know, it better not show up on some new book or, or a game or something. And so, um, so I, and, and the guy knows that he, he's a big Dragon's fan and he was just glad to get the original and hanging on his wall. And, um, and I, I made prints of it, but that's all it's going to be, just some prints. And, and, uh, and one of those prints is coming to my house, so. Did you make oh, hey, I ordered one, so. We've sold. My wife has been working day. She does all the shipping. And uh, <laughs> and I, we had to take two trips of tubes and boxes to the mailbox from last week. I mean, God, we've sold more of that than anything. I mean, it's just just kept us busy just <laughs> shipping and uh but it's i like doing it i took that i jumped on that when he said i'm like oh, okay what do you want i'm ready for some kind of piece of crap painting you know i gotta do he said i want the full well actually come to a uh, another collector called me out this guy was sort of remaining anonymous so i don't know who he was but he said all he said was a poor woman of dragon Lance. Wow, it's for good money. Uh, wow, 
So you're talking about a big painting, nice painting. And so uh, I threw the dragon sky in just because uh, I might as well throw that in as part of the backdrop, you know. And um, it was fun painting. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. Uh, my wife was here filling orders. This was before I ever started the painting. I said, I was going to start the drawing. And I said, oh, man. I said, when are you going to finish with the computer? Because she prints off my computer and she does business off another computer. And I said, when are you going to finish my computer? She said, what do you want it for? I said, i got to look up a bunch of pictures of like Gold Moon and stuff. I said, I'm sure they're on the internet someplace. And she looked at me. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? She said, are you that stupid? I said, what? She said, you were the first ones to paint those characters. I'm like, you sure? I started thinking like, well, I did the first three book covers and most of them was in there. And um, I think all of them, but um, what's her name? The Rose of the Dragon, um, Kadira. But I did paint her later on in the scene somewhere, a little, little painting. But I'm like, yeah, you're right. I forgot I was the first one to paint those. So I just got the old products, uh, those old book covers, and uh, looked at those and uh, to get the costumes. And I got up fairly right. There's a few things that well, I painted the first time I thought was a little too stupid, so I changed it a little bit, but not much. I left a lot of it in there. But um, those paintings were fun to paint. I had my heart into it because I believed in Dragonlance. I wanted to sell it um, because Tracy, like I said, it was. I got hired in the fall, in the autumn of 81, and Tracy came in either late 81, I think, not too long after I did. And then in 82 is when Hillman Harrell talked to me about, they wasn't called Dragonlance then, it was just a, a, a story uh, about all these characters. And so they came over to my house. I know Tracy thinks he came to his house, but we didn't. Because <laughs> Tracy tells it, it that uh, he said, uh, all the he met, he had all the artists over to his house and told them about Dragonlance. No, we didn't, because at that time Jeff wasn't even hired, and Jeff told me later he said I don't think I was ever in his house. <laughs> I said, what he was probably thinking about and getting his times mixed up. Him and Harold came. Harold Johnson was his boss. He was the head of uh, games and books or whatever. And they came over and they, they couldn't talk about Dragonlance on TSR time. Um, so they came to my house one night. I had a studio in my basement and they came down there and like after, you know, about seven or eight o'clock. And we stayed down there and Tracy told me the whole story of Dragonlance at that time, what it was. And it wasn't in depth of the book, but, you know, the overview of the whole thing. And uh, he said, what we're wanting you to do is do some two or three little quick pieces of art. So when we pre present this to the board of directors, we'll have something to show visually. I said, sure, I'll do it. I said, this is like token, this this story you got. I said, it's a great story. I love it. I love it. I love it. I said, I'll do anything I can to help. And um, so uh, what there's a friend, I said, why wouldn't TSR want to publish this? My God, it's, it's great. And he said, well, Right now, there's only one fantasy world, and that's Greyhawk. Well, I was new working there. Like I said, I hadn't even been there a year yet, a full year. 
Uh, I didn't know that they had just one world fantasy world. I thought there was a bunch of them. <laughs> I was doing so much paintings. I thought they were all from different worlds. <laughs> and uh, he says, there's only one world that's Greyhawk. And this is another world. I said, TSR might not publish it. You know, the board of directors might not go along with it. So we've got to get the timing right. And we've got to make a good presentation. And we need a little art or anything we can show to help it along. He says, you got to do these on your time. I said, oh, well. And so I did three or four little pieces, three little pieces. And um, and so it took about three years later for them finally to present it to the board directors. And uh, Tracy went in to make the pitch. Uh, I went, I was there. They only, they didn't let everybody come, just so many people. And um, and he did a really great job. He wore a suit that day, man. And, <laughs> we didn't to come in a suit like, whoa, we're getting married, you know. So he goes and makes a <laughs> and uh, did a good job. And uh, we found out there too later that they was going to go with it, but they didn't know for sure how they was going to do it, how to introduce it. And uh, but they worked all of it out. And uh, I was tickled to death they did it. And uh, uh, and I, my heart was in Dragonlance. I loved it. I loved illustrating from it. The only trouble is, like I said before, sometimes you. You want to do a really great painting, and they'd say, "You got to have this painting in a week," and there's nothing to do about it, you know. So it's like, no matter how much heart you got into it, you can only do so much so fast. And a lot of those paintings were done very, very fast. And you only had so many ovens. <laughs> I've got one oven, <laughs> and I think it's a microwave somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so fast. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I know you paint fast. It looks like, you know, it just doesn't have the right stuff. But sometimes a passion carries through, even on a bad painting. And the painting sitting on the campfire, a lot of people love that painting. But there's so much wrong in that painting, painting-wise. Uh, colors are so wrong. But I didn't have time to think about it. I was just painting shortcuts on everything except the characters. I spent as much time as I possibly could on the characters. But I didn't like Grayson's face. I was going to go back and change it. And everybody said, that's fine. We just got to get it. You know, so I let it go. And, uh, yeah, I will say I liked uh, his robes in that because, you know, it had sort of that red tinge to it. Um, but yet it sort of dark, yeah. You know, it was dark at the same time, you it know, like the black burgundy, roof. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was slowly turning burgundy and then black. <laughs> yeah, that, that is amazing. Well, yeah, I, th I think uh, I know some, I know, of course, Tracy and Margaret love Dragonlance. They fought a lot of hard battles for it, and I did too. Mm -hmm. in my and, um, and then, and in our department, uh, I know Keith felt the same way as I did. We 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 knew what Dragonlance could be, maybe. And when we was doing those calendars, I was doing the best I could to, to try to, you know, to help sell it. And um, and we always planned it to be about a three-year project, but that was good enough. You know, we could do it for three years. And um, we did it about a couple of years before we could even get it launched good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, and Keith, he had the same feeling. He he loved Dragonlance, and uh, we both read the books. 
I don't know if Jeff and Clyde ever read them. Uh, I know when we was doing the first calendar, I said, look, we're all going to be doing different scenes of Dragonlance. So when you're going to do, I said, there's all these characters and they'll be repeating characters. And I said, we don't have models to paint the same person over and over. I said, what we got to do is when somebody paints a character first, talk to Margaret and Tracy and get a good description. And however you paint it, the rest of us will paint the same costume. So we're going to be like Superman, Batman. They all wear the same, you know, they, you recognize them on the costumes. You can interchange faces on some of the costumes. I said, so we're all going to be painting the same characters our own way, the faces. That's because we don't, we don't have models. We just have to make them up. But we paint the same clothes. Okay. So then uh, I won't go into a lot of stories, a lot of stories I can tell about Dragon, but one of them, I was thinking, Clyde Caldwell, he's painting Caraman for the first time. He's a warrior and everything, a fighter, and he's painting like a gladiator like. And he painted him left handed. I said, What'd you paint left handed? I said, You know, even when you go back in old, old books and history, I mean, most people were right handed. Sometimes they made you be right handed. And I said, uh, So I turned around and said, All right, everybody, if you paint Caraman, he's left handed. You got that? Yep. So I had to paint him later on. I painted him left-handed. I think everybody was painting left-handed. About a year or two later, Clyde had to paint him again. He painted him right-handed. I said, <laughs> Why did you paint him right-handed? I said he's you were the first one to paint him. You paint him left-handed. You know why did you change it? Oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like God, yeah. But we had read the, the books and and. Uh, uh, Oh, well, I read the first three, and I, I didn't get a chance to read any more. I read the first three books. And uh, well, one reason was when they come back, they sold well, they wanted more books. And Margaret and Tracy told them, there are no more books. That's it. We told the story. It's done. They said, now we got more. We got to. And so then they made the next three books. And uh, and they said, now it's done, done. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> they took another writers to write and that really pissed Margaret and them off because it was their baby but they started getting other people to write different stories from Dragonlance and that's when Margaret and Tracy eventually they quit well, and, uh, and I quit shortly after yeah I know what um, when we talked to Margaret and Tracy recently one of the things we talked about um, was you know why they always did Ancelon didn't go beyond that and you know they had put out the Talitus box set and everything and um we you know the one thing margaret said is uh with ancelon it was made with love yeah and uh, when i talk to her or tracy or you you know i can i can just feel that yeah yeah it was uh i know in our department keith and i were really had a love for it and uh, well, uh, all the guys I won't describe them, they all liked it, and and they, they liked one reason because you got to use your imagination a bit more. I mean, you got to do these paintings, these great characters, you know, and that was always good. And one, we, one thing we we didn't have really real art directors. We didn't have somebody tell us how to do a painting. We were our own art directors. We designed the painting and we painted, it, and that was fun. And get these characters to paint, and and we all loved it. But I think uh, Keith and I both had a, a deeper love for it, an appreciation. And um, 
uh, uh, we could go on for hours. I could tell you other stories about Dragonland, <laughs> but, uh, but it was it was fun. And 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 most of all the the first stuff, you could tell your heart was in it. Everybody's heart was in it. Those second three books, I had to do the paintings. Uh, the third book of the second three, I had three days to paint it. I was and race them back to back. I had three days. One day on each character and another day was on everything else. Wow. That's, that's how much they was pushing you. They wanted the money. They was pre-selling. And, uh, and that's then I knew that, you know, the company was in trouble and I didn't know how long it was going to last. And I was, I was really putting out, I was working myself to death, literally. I had a full-time job at home and a full-time job at TSR. And uh, because uh, you had young kids and a house payment, a new car, and I didn't want to, I had, if they went under or sold or something, I thought they'd just go under, go bankrupt. And uh, they could have very easily, I found out later. And, uh, and uh, so that's when I just started doing all the freelance I could do. And so I knew if they did go under, I could still keep working the same way. And I could I'd still get in a good 10, 12 hours a day, no matter what. And so that, and Keith started doing the same thing. And then it got to the point where we knew we was going to have to quit. It's going to go under. And uh, I'd, I found out some other things, and I won't tell oh, to embarrass somebody, but I found out. It wasn't anybody that worked at TSR at the time, but I did find out through other business dealings that TSR was in bad shape, and they owed money to banks they shouldn't owe money to, the kind of banks you don't want to owe money to. I don't know what the kind of it is, but whoever told me it was like, you know, the kind of banks you don't want to owe money to. And that was after I'd quit. And I said, well... I said, I don't think they'll last another two years or so, but they did. They went on at least five years, maybe after I. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Um, uh, I think it was something that Ryan Dancy yeah. uh, wrote. You know, he was um, one of the guys at Watsy who came to look over TSR when they were thinking about um, buying them. Um, and there was just this look on the employees' faces, you know, just kind of uh, sunken and almost begging, yeah. pleading to save yeah. D&D. And uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful they did. And, I mean, here we are so many years later, and, uh, you know, this new edition's been a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of um, first and second edition. So, Let me tell you a little, little story about Watson. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I'd quit TSR because I figured it was going to go under. And so I was working full-time freelancing. I think that's when Keith and I had a studio together, working our buns off. We was there almost 24 hours a day. One of us was there usually 24 hours a day. And uh, I went to Gen Con, and this new little company, Wizards of the Coast, had sprung up. I think it, it had about six employees. And they said, we would like to do, you do some work for us. I said, like what? They said, anything. We need something. <laughs> they needed something to sell, you know. Uh, and uh, they'd had some little something that was making them enough money to at least get to Gen Con, you know. 
and uh, but they had no money. And I said, well, uh, they gave me a financial breakdown of the company, and they said, this is what we've got, and if we could work out something, some kind of a product or something you want to do, we'll publish it. And uh, and I looked at it like, oh, I'd already been, you know, doing a lot of publishing, not publishing, but prints. Back then, you couldn't print them on, like, huge Gibson printers like I got, but back then, everything had to be uh, lithograph, you know, what they call litho was not these print, you know, go to printing presses and have them printed out. And if you wanted a thousand, you had to print them out once and pay for them all at once. It was expensive. And uh, so they showed me the financial breakdown and and uh, they said, you think about it. And if you come with any ideas, call us. They'll give me a number. Well, I, I looked at it like, Lord, they got enough money to make about three or four or five print runs on prints. And that's about it. I don't know how they're going to operate their company and they'll make a living and pay me something. And I sort of felt sorry for them. There's really nice guys that approached me. There was one guy. I think he was the head of the, not the company, but like the art side. Really nice guy. And so I thought about it. So next year, I come back to Washington. I told him, I said, he said, what do you think about it? So I said, no, I couldn't come with anything that would really make us any money. And they said, well, we, we got this new game, and we think it might be good, but we need a whole lot of art. I said, like, how much? He said, well, tons of art. I said, well, he said, would you do something? I said, well, what are you paying? They said, because I knew they didn't have any money. And they said, well, we're paying, uh, we could, well, we would like for you to for free, and we give you, stock in the company and all this kind of stuff. And that's happened to me a couple times before you made no money. Basically, you did art for free. Because <laughs> the company's always lasted about six months and folded, you know. And uh, and they said, well, we can maybe pay you $5 a painting, but I don't know if we could. And I thought, I said, how much art do you need? Like 25 30 No more. A lot of art. Like, so I don't know how you got that. He said, well, he said, do you know the artists trying to break in that, uh, that uh, would do do some art for free. And I said, well, I have a good friend, Dan Fraser. And he'd been trying to really break in. He's a good artist, but he just couldn't seem to catch that one job to get him in, you know. And uh, he was at Gen Con. I said, well, I can introduce you to Dan Fraser. I tell Dan about you. He'll contact you. I said, I think he would do some stuff just to get published right now. You know, when you're starting out, you do stuff. I did stuff for free just to get published. And uh, so Dan did, and they gave him a bunch of work. And there was two or three other artists right now that was trying to break in good. They were pretty good artists, but just couldn't get, I mean, just couldn't get the work. Um there's only so much work going around at that time. It wasn't like a huge, huge industry at the time. And so I never forget, I think with Dan's first royalty check, I think he bought him a house in Denver. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> or second royalty. I don't know. I mean, I missed the biggest boat of my life. Okay. Because <laughs> they gave me stock in the company, uh, 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 everything, every option you could think of. If the company did well, you can be a rich man. But the odds were tremendously against them. It's just one of those flukes. And uh, and that's one thing I kicked myself in the butt. So about, about, <laughs> then, about a year or two later, they'd call me and want to do magic cards 
but that I knew they changed the rules. Now they paid so much a card because they made so much damn money the first three years. So it's just like the money was coming in in truckloads, you know. And uh, I said, oh, God. And I remember going to a convention in Germany and Watsy had a booth up front and all the, uh, uh, the artists that did Watsy cards signing, you know, did magic cards signing stuff. And uh, my God bless. I miss the boat bad. And um, <laughs> so I thought, I'm never going to do one. I, I, I was mad at myself. Well, they, they'd call me up ever so many months, want me to do cards. And I said, well, what are you paying for a card nowadays? Because I knew those those days of royalties that was over. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, and they had a good payment. So I said, I got thinking, and my wife, I think she said to me, she said, are you going to be the only artist this whole generation that didn't do a magic card? I said, that'd look bad on me, wouldn't it? I better I better take some on. So <laughs> next time they called me, I said, I'll take some landscape cards. I could do those pretty quick, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, so I did about, I think, six or seven little cards. I don't I don't think it was important. I, don't, I never did play magic. Didn't have time. And didn't want to get addicted. So I stayed away. <laughs> yeah, it's addicting. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I missed the boat. And that was the biggest, biggest boat I ever missed in my life. That right there, I just missed it. Because uh, most of those companies didn't last, you know. And, um, but they hit magic, you know. They did hit magic. <laughs> they did. Yeah. It's amazing because now yeah. they're big enough that they're considered like a third of Hasbro. And yeah. It, yeah. it's just amazing. It is. I mean, it's like your second D and D, you know, for this industry. Um, I mean, D and D was like first, you might say. I mean, I remember at Fort Knox when I was the illustrator there. I would play uh, the who was the company that made those little war games? You use little hexagon shapes and little oh. like not Napoleon games and all these war war games. Um, SPI or something like no, but there's a couple of companies. Yeah. Yeah, and they fold the map out and get little pieces and you add your dice and you the Russians against um, Napoleon and this and that, you know. And I played some of those. I thought it was fun. And um, uh, and that was the first of those kind of games like that coming out. And I'd heard that Gary and, and, and some of the crew that was playing a lot of games that time played a lot of those. And they just wanted to get deeper into games. I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me that Gary said one time, he said, you know, all games is like you against another player or you against the board. You're always playing against somebody. And if there's three playing, you're against all, or if there's four of you, you're against all three. Everybody's for themselves. He said, why can't we make a game where we can all play together for, and, and, and be on the same team? Nobody's doing that, you know. So they who was telling me that, and they were one of these old pe people that gamed with Gary way back in the day. And uh, there's a bunch of people from, like, I think, Minnesota and Wisconsin that we get together and game. And uh, it goes back to those days, and that's when they started working on what later became D&D. &D. Yeah, and you're seeing more cooperative games these days. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, pandemic comes to mind. 
which seems appropriate for the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> for this time, yeah. Oh, but, man. Larry, thank you so much. And anytime you want to come back and tell stories or just hang out, you know, feel free. We'd love to have you. Well, I stay pretty busy. Uh, I'm trying to slow down. I'm booked up solid until about October on commissions. I've been taking any more commissions after that. I want to paint for myself for a couple of years. I've always wanted to paint my own paintings, which would be fantasy. I'm not going to all of a sudden start painting ducks or something, you know. <laughs> I will paint fantasy till the day I die. But as I get older, I see my own fantasy. My personal work's changing. It's still fantasy, but not in your face fantasy. I think what it is, is when those early paintings I painted, I loved them. And I'd have hung them in my living room. If I had a mansion, I'd have hung them right there in the living room. And at that time, it offended a lot of people (laughs) back in those days for painting a dragon when she was going to hell. But uh, <laughs> but uh, as as I paint, I find myself evolving, and so there's less monsters and less dragons that I want to paint, and it gets more down to a mood or a feeling or something. It's still fantasy, but it's not in your face fantasy. And I think it's because it's getting older. But this whole genre is getting older now. It's been around for what? 40 years, going on 50 years or something. Mm-hmm. 40. And uh, and some of these, I noticed some artists paint exactly the same thing. I don't mean the same subject matter, but similar. Like the, all the paintings you put them on the wall, they all favor each other. Like they're all brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, if you paint a girl and a monster, then you paint a girl and a monster all the time, over and over and over, just different settings and everything. And um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to follow my nose. And even if there's not a lot of fantasy in it, but I want to create the feeling of there's a story behind this. And it could be a scary story. It could be a magical story. It could be a depressing story, but there's a story. And and I think there's enough audience now. It don't have to be magic shooting at your fingers and your butt and everything else. (laughs) You, you can just have nice scenes with a touch of fantasy to it that will inspire you to the viewer to come up with a story. I know when I'm doing a painting like this, uh, there's a story that always forms in my mind what's going on. And my, my painting sort of follows that story in that direction. And, um, and I'm hoping to see fantasy as a whole to get more mature. Um, uh, but as long as there's a big computer games, there's going to be a lot of that kind of, there'll be plenty of that. But I think, like I said, my old paintings, if I was a millionaire and had a beautiful home, I'd have stuck the red dragon right in the main hallway. First thing you see nowadays, my taste is, and I've got a good house and, and I've got some of my paintings in them, but they are paintings that are more subtle. It's the ones I'm keeping. They're fantasy, but they don't, uh, there's no blood and guts and there's no, um, uh, in your face dragons they're, they're just nice paintings that anybody can appreciate uh, you can have any kind of company any kind of people visiting they'll look at it like wow that's nice what kind of a painting is that you know it's it sort of tells a story or something and and those things I have a, I think they have a longer livelihood in a way uh, you can look at them for a longer time uh, some paintings you can look at it a shallow painting to me is a painting you look at it for two or three years and you're bored with it. It doesn't do anything for you. 
But a really good painting has got some depth and emotion in it. If you can capture that, you can look at that painting for years and years and years and still like it. And, uh, I think one of my favorites that you've done um, fairly recently um, along those lines was the woman who's playing the violin and yeah. she looks like she's floating and you can almost hear the music. Yeah. And if you can see the original close, there's a tear in her eye. She's crying. And, um, but yeah, that there is a story behind it. I made up as a painting it. And when I tell that story, most people cry. And even I cry sometimes when I tell a story, but there is a good story behind it. And um, each of those, I did four paintings for myself. And uh, I just took a year or so off and just did, well, that's when I wasn't getting any work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I did these four paintings and I sold them for a lot, of, at that time, for a lot of money each. It was all for around $10,000 a painting. Wow. To me, that was, that was, that was sky high. I couldn't believe it. I was getting that much money for it. And, um, and uh, I wish I had that one back. Two of them I wish I had back. I wish I hadn't have sold them. They were good paintings. Uh, I, those times when you're painting out of your head, like I said, you're just painting above yourself. Mm -hmm. Come over that way. And, and I mean, I don't know if I could reproduce them, if I could paint them over again, as good as I did the first time. But uh, but yeah, those paintings you can hang and, 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 and it causes people to pause and look at them like, what's going on? And there is this the story there. Why is this person here? Why is this stranger? Why is she levitating, you know, and crying and playing a violin? You know, uh, I was going to, and I, I'm probably going to run out of time and die of old age before, but I had stories for each one of those paintings. I just want to put them in a book. Uh, not a big, thick book, but, you know, keep the stories down to where just short stories. But show the painting and also we'll show the, some of the sketch work and stuff that done before the painting and then show the finished painting, a full page, and then tell the story about it afterwards. But I don't know if I'll get around to it. Too much to do and too little time in life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, um, I, I think we need to call it here. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for sure. being our guest tonight. We've uh, had a blast. I hope you had fun and, um you know and with that we'll bid you adieu okay. uh for the dragonlance nexus i'm trampus whiteman and uh on behalf of myself and chuck martinell um we wish you good night good night bye